Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Brooklyn Palmer. Brooke is a vegan medical student and social media content creator who uses her platform to explore the intersectionality of all things health and wellness while sharing insights into her life as a future plant-based doctor. Yes, you heard me. She is going to be a vegan doctor and a pretty badass one at that, if I do say so myself. Don't forget to review the podcast so you can hear your review read on air as a review of the week. Here we go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self-care. It has truly been a game changer in every aspect of my life, including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I have uh, followed you for a long time and have been long inspired by your content. So thank you for everything you're putting out there. That means a lot. I'm so hyped. Let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And that came from this place of being on this journey of being like, sometimes you're like, I get it. I am here. I have arrived. And other times you're like, just kidding. I know nothing. Um, And so I like talking about everything in between those two spaces. Um, And I just like starting with asking guests kind of where do you think you're at right now on this moment from the spectrum from a clueless to conscious? What does that mean for you? Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where the more you know, the more you don't know through, (laughs) you know, medical school, social media, my master's of public health. I feel like I am constantly just trying to get in more and more perspectives. And uh, that in and of itself is just makes me so painfully aware of, wow, like you can only know what's going on around you and what you're used to. And yet we talk to these, you know, audiences of all different places from all different experiences. And it really takes taking the time to hear from them to really even get a beginning understanding of what's really going on um, in all these different communities with all these different privileges and access to things. And so right now I feel like I am joyfully clueless. I'm joyfully in a place where... I, it has made me so curious. So I feel like the cluelessness has turned to curiosity. And I think the best way to connect with people to move forward is to stay curious because we, it's so easy to be quick to judge. And at the end of the day, 
the world is constantly changing, right? So even if we knew yep. everything possible in this moment in time, five minutes later, something could be totally different. And I think there's beauty in that. There's frustration in that. Um, but it's all about staying open and just really being as adaptable as possible. That is a beautiful answer. I would like to take that snippet and be like, here's the podcast. <laughs> this is why this exists. Oh, <laughs> That was really, really great. And there are so many things that I want to talk to you about. But let's start with um, one of the first things in your Instagram bio, the realities of a plant-based future doctor. So let's just talk about that tagline first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, go, go, go. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. I spent, I really was back and forth in my bio a lot. And it's something I do think a lot. I just think of a lot about everything, you know, pros and cons to anxiety. But, um, but yeah, I, I really you. wanted to, I'm so over like the typical social media trope of just idealizing and romanticizing everything. Like medical school is so freaking hard. Like we have, we all have mental health issues. We all have social insecurities. We all have everything. And then we're put in these like insane situations on top of, you know, this like physiological, like, sorry, philosophical kind of understanding of people's lives being in our hands and being so vulnerable. We don't ever have space to really explore that. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, I wanted to be real. I wanted to show the ups and downs because it just doesn't seem like it serves anyone to try and glorify my life in a way that's unrealistic. Um, and then, yeah, and just plant-based, you know, I've, been vegan um I'll say my whole life like nine ten years I don't know after five I feel like you lose track it doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> you're just like it is what it is <laughs> it's just it's just what I eat I don't know people ask like what do you eat and I'm like I don't know food like I just I'm so used yeah, to this way just, of living now it's just normal exactly exactly and I live by myself so like all the food here obviously I can eat but um I digress and so just you know I'm a rising fourth year medical student I cannot believe it right. this time next year I will have my MD which still blows my mind I know it is it's insane and so which is really exciting I mean it's like I said it's been tough and so you know I plan to utilize my passion for nutrition and really just you know holistic health as I move forward down this you know quote unquote traditional Western medicine path. I feel like it's important for people in all elements of health, um, whether that be like dietitian or more, mm-hmm. you know, Ayurvedic or whatever to kind of, you know, approach things in a different way. And so that's my life. I'm just so at its core, I do like to show my life. Sometimes I get really hard on myself to post on my social media, like, you know, super educational, this or that. But at the end of the day, I love so many different things. And like, I really cannot put myself too much in a box. And so I do like to share my life with people. Oh, I relate to that so hard when like you get keep getting told if you're trying to make a living off of like sharing content and everything to niche down. And I'm like, but everybody right. should see it. That's exactly. so hard for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like strategically you want to do that, but then you have to go against like what you feel in your heart and the, where that balance strikes is really tricky. And I feel like I've constantly been battling with that as I you know move through social media. Yes, totally. So being vegan came before you wanted to be a doctor? So they actually kind of went hand in hand. Fun fact. Ooh, fun. Yeah. So I mean, while I was vegetarian in middle school, it was like curiosity. But then I was like, wait a second. I like animals. This seems like it makes sense. Right, uh, right, I right. also had the, you know, it was 
not a privilege privilege, but like my family didn't eat much together. And so I didn't have that barrier. A lot of people do. Oh. So I, I made a lot of my own food, which like sucked because obviously family meals are really <laughs> important for like development, but that's a whole different thing. Um, but it means I'm a good cook. So, you know, when some, yes. um, yes. and so, but yeah, when I started in high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I liked sciences, AP psych was like my favorite class. Um, I knew I always liked humans and I, you know, felt like I was decently charismatic, but, um, but yeah, when I started really watching those documentaries, that a lot of vegans will kind of talk about, um, at one point they do talk about the compassionate ethical side, but they talk about the health side. And I just felt like right. there's so much valuable information out there. Um, in terms of health and different ways to approach and prevent things that no one was ever prioritizing. Or I felt like in, yeah. in none of my medical interactions whatsoever, that I feel like these things were even an option. And so I felt just very drawn to being a part of that world where at the end of the day is like communicating and educating. And honestly, you know, I've been kind of back and forth with how I see that execute, but my mission has always mm. seen the same. There's so much information, so much valuable information. And now we're in a world with so much misinformation. And so mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, you know, trying to reach people, I think is so valuable because I remember knowledge truly is power and it can be both good and bad power. Um, but I think there's so much, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Um, but yeah, so they really went pretty hand in hand. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like for a while, I actually was kind of debating what it would be like to move forward only because I just, it's hard going into healthcare when you aren't really a fan of healthcare. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then being in it, during a global pandemic and being like, what the fuck industry am I getting into? Dude, yeah. I, I mean, in a way, the pandemic, you know, obviously so many tragedies, I think it made a lot of people slow down and reevaluate their yeah. life. It was yeah. around when I also had this massive test test that just like ruined me studying for it. Like you, oh, you literally yeah. studied for it for like six weeks. It's like just insane stuff you haven't seen forever. And I feel like that and the slowing down, I really started reevaluating my life a lot. So you said that your goal has always been the same, but like the path to get there does hasn't necessarily all yes. been the same. Is that something yes. that's still undecided? So I think I'm finally there, like literally the last few weeks. And so, yeah, so right now I'm leaning towards... So for those who don't know, it's medical school and then residency. So medical school, everyone kind of does the same thing. That's when you get the MD, but then residency right. is when you become like a surgeon or a family medicine doctor or neurologist. Right. Okay. And so that's the next step. And so for me, there's a preventative medicine residency and it's very based in public health. Um, as I mentioned, like I'm also getting my master's in public health. And so it just feels very like, it just goes hand in hand with what I want to do. Yeah. It's also the training they what a concept actually like, um, prioritize the wellness of the doctors who are in it. Like, who would have thought? And so weird. I just That's feel so right. Weird. <laughs> Why would like a healthcare system care about the health of their employees? That's a crazy concept. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'm not bitter at all. Clearly, but no, I, I found, <laughs> um, I just feel like that it's still open, leads the door open for a more clinical primary care. But I feel like a lot of what I want to do is like consult, you know, organizations. I want to like run culinary medicine classes. I want to work in policy. So really my goal at its core is again, not, not everyone owes like the world health. Right. But I feel like we are not able to 
even make the decisions that are best for ourselves because we don't even know all the options, you know? Like I'm all about freedom and doing what you want. But as right now, there's so many forces based in corporations that are like pushing these concepts that people think are coming from their core, but really it's just like being pushed onto us, which I feel like is a whole other podcast episode. I don't know, let's want to get into that. But I just feel like there's so much valuable information that people just need to have. So they, how can you even make the best choice for your life if you don't even have all the information, um, especially yes. when the information that's more, you know, um, accessible is the ones from the corporations, which obviously do not have the interests of the communities and, um, and society at heart. And so, and it's really just also giving space for those communities and those voices that aren't heard a lot. You know, a lot of my work in this has been led by like privileged white men who, you know, and I, there's always kind of a disconnect there. And then more and more, I realized like, oh, like so much of this, like so many privileges are left out of these conversations when they're so relevant Mm -hmm. to people's lives. And how can you even have a conversation that reaches everyone when you don't give space for those things. And so, um, so yeah. And so that's kind of looked different as I've learned about different things, but has definitely been, um, consistent. Cause I feel like everyone deserves health in a way that works for them and not just those who can, you know, access certain things or do certain things. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think like what you highlighted for me is two things. One is the complexity of these conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Like everyone likes to think that these are like siloed lanes of like Mm -hmm. health, wellness, physical health, mental health, blah, 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 blah. And what you, I think are bringing to the table is this idea of like, it's not, it's not these individual things, right? They are all connected. And then this other idea that I love that you're bringing in public health and advocacy and Mm -hmm. i know something you also talk about is um food security Mm -hmm. and those types of things and again that like the complexity of these issues of health and wellness and i think we have this idea at least in this country in in the u.s that's been my experience is that health is seen as a privilege like Mm -hmm. it is this thing that's seen as like well if you do the right things then you can be healthy if you like yeah I I don't know, do everything correctly. And if you don't, then do you even deserve that? And that is wild. mm -hmm. So yeah, so basically just to kind of feed off of what you just said, um, it's one of those things where you can have all the information in the world about a topic, but if you are not in the right situation, if you don't have the right resources, it doesn't mean anything. And if anything, yeah, it makes you feel like guilty or that you're, the one not working hard enough when you are starting at such a different place than other mm-hmm. people. And if we don't create space for that, we're going to keep having this divide of those who have that access and can, you know, reach that health and those who can't, and they're going to feel like it's a personal fault when it's so yes. much more complicated than that. Yes. That is so important because I think that given the privilege, the immense privilege I had growing up, when I started learning about food insecurity and veganism Mm -hmm. and sustainability and all these things. I definitely in the beginning was in this approach of just like everyone individually needs to do better, you know, Mm -hmm. like just come on everyone. We can do better because I could do better. So that, you know, so I'm like, well, I can do better without any like concept of where I stand in the world and learning more and more. Part of the joy of this podcast is how much I've just gotten to learn from people. Like I feel so lucky and learning the, um, 
the intersectionalities, yeah. the intricacies, yeah. the um, systematic issues, like always bringing it back to a exactly. both and of being like, here are the individual things you mm-hmm. can do. And also you can't be perfect in a world that was set up for you to fail. Exactly. And I think, I mean, you touch on such an important part of it. So much of what we hear, whether it's sustainability, whether it's health is all put on the individual. And guess what? Like, honestly, in a way, like even sometimes public health and governments, like they benefit from that because then it takes the responsibility off of them. Right. Or like it takes the responsibility off of corporations and policies that are like put in place to you know, have this big impact. And so I think one of my biggest takeaways of like the last few years in medicine and whatnot is this overemphasis, because again, you know, it creates this personal blame when it's so much more than that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that in and of itself, really that narrative needs to change for us to make forward change. Cause I mean, like for the last like 30 years, we've been like, you know, this is bad. Don't do this. It's like, something's not working, you know? And why, why would it? (laughs) Like we need new marketing tactics. This, uh, this campaign isn't working to blame the individual. (laughs) Exactly. Or to blame like, you know, parents who already have so much on their play and it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, even, I feel like the, you know, good first example is like subsidies, right? It's like they're put in place to better society. And now it's mostly, you know, corn and grains. And it's like, we're, people have the option of like a lot of times a healthier, less processed option is going to be more expensive. Like how would you ever blame, especially those who have financial stresses, something that honestly was really humbling to me. And I say this as someone like a few years ago, I was like basically totally broke. Like I had to put rent on a credit card. It was rough y'all. Um, and I'm so grateful for being able to turn my social media into a business. I was watching a documentary on a weekend because that's what I do. Why not? Um, why have fun when I study one all, does. all week, um, but they're talking about money and they said, Oh my goodness. I feel like I wrote it down. I, I want to say it was like 30% of Americans couldn't afford like a $400 emergency and just for some reason, the way they worded it, because, and that's the thing, right. Is that it kind of, it brings up this idea of like stress and discomfort and they talk about like, yeah, sure. Money doesn't, um, you know, create happiness, but they found that's like up to a certain point because up to a certain point, it makes you significantly less stressed out. It means so much of your energy and mental health doesn't have to go to money or like, you know, God forbid choosing between medicine and food. And yep. so it, it means so much more than just accessing thing. It's so much of a mental thing too. And that part's never talked about. And that's really, really unfortunate because for those who stress, it is everything. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I am so like, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh, I have a thousand questions. I want to keep talking a little bit about the food. So like food security advocate, I think that's the phrase. Yes. Something. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Like, what does that mean? If someone says like, oh, what is that? What what do you do? What do you mean food security advocate? What are you advocating for? Yeah. So for me, it means being a person that just actively acknowledges the immense differences in privilege when it comes to, in my case, like the nutrition, health and wellness space. Right. And so we are constantly bombarded with this food's good for you. This food's bad for you. And that in and of itself assumes that someone has choice. And that's really Mm -hmm. at the core of it. When millions in the U S do not have a choice. I've worked in food pantries. They get like a bag of whatever the place has. And so when you're telling someone 
They have to eat certain things. Like literally just before you even get to that first step assumes that there's choice. And so to me, keeping that in mind, I mean, completely changes how you can perceive how you communicate about nutrition knowledge. Right. And I rarely seen this, see this talked about, and I wish that, you know, it was, cause again, it's so much easier to point the blame at these communities, often, you know, people of color and marginalized mm-hmm. in so many different ways um, because they don't care about the health and they're not making healthy decisions. And so, so yeah, so that to me is kind of at the base of it is that, you know, are the way people talk about nutrition just always, um, not always, often assume that, you know, people are able to, again, have the choice or be able to access everything that they're talking about. You know, even on my page, I talk about like fruit reminders and every now and again, I'll kind of put like, if you're able to access it, because if you can't, I totally understand. And that really sucks that we're in a country where people can't access fruit on a regular basis, even those who have multiple jobs, right? It's like, again, it's a whole system thing. Yeah, I really like how you said the thing about choices. Like mm-hmm. right from the get-go, there's that assumption. I haven't thought about it like cl- that clicked in for mm-hmm. a little bit differently for me cuz it's like you have the best intentions. I mean, like me or whoever sharing on social media about let's say like vegan nutrition, mm-hmm. but like you're saying like someone's seeing that and being like, "Okay, I get it. I have what I get yeah. what you're saying, but I don't have that choice." Yeah. And I think that can be, and it's not even just, you know, access, but also I think, you know, mental health is also underrated where, you know, I personally suffered a lot. And like when I'm in a really depressed, like paralyzed space, it also feels like I don't have a choice. Right. And so there's so many different layers of that. And again, like you said, people don't necessarily mean wrong. I think it just really puts into question who our audience is and who we're used to our audience being, um, you know, again, all the information I consumed for probably the first like three, four years of being vegan, you know, that audience were people who did have a choice. Um, and so it's something that we have to, you know, it's at no one's fault. I just think it's valuable to, you know, just open your mind to, you know, who can use this advice. And again, that's kind of where I went back to, you can have all the information in the world, but if you're not able to apply it in a realistic and sustainable way, then it doesn't, it only means so much, I guess. So I'm curious then, what do you, not that you have to have the solution. To the, <laughs> I got <problem>. you. <laughs> not yeah. unless you do, then please share it. I but like, so what do you advise like for people who are posting content or like, yeah, I want to, I want to share about vegan nutrition, but I guess I never thought about like, what if the people following me don't have choice? Like, what do you advise that people kind of like do to address that? I yeah. Guess? So one of the things I recommend is like to move away from this all or nothing. I see so mm-hmm. much stuff of like, at, like absolutely bad. Oh my gosh. If I ever see like never eat this, like that in and of itself is just I mean, not to mention just like the disordered eating side of things where you tell yourself you could never, that's a whole different conversation. Right. And so in my mind, I'm not saying every single nutrition page, like that's probably not going to be your audience. You know, there's a lot of people who like, they only talk about superfood that you can ship from all these places. Like I get it, do your thing. And for me personally, what I think is again, that really harsh, always eat this, never eat that because then 
you're putting this like morality of like, you're bad if you can't access this when, you know, not everyone can, or even just, you know, acknowledging it every now and again. Um, uh, But so those are some of my thoughts. Yeah. I wish I had, uh, you know, a clearer answer, but yeah, for me, it's really that harsh language and how we communicate ideas. That's really helpful. And I think that rolls right into something else I wanted to talk to you about, which was this idea of being Mm anti-diet, which really, I think, also gets at that idea of like the all or nothing or the uh, resources or the telling people like talk about disordered eating and diet culture. I mean, what is being to you? What does anti-diet mean? So it's tricky because I will say I feel like some people I have like vegan and anti-diet. And I think for some people, they think that's like mutually exclusive Mm. for me, veganism isn't a diet. And I think most people Mm -hmm. have kind of picked up on that by now. Um, for me, anti-diet means, oh man, how do I condense that down? I think kind of like we already talked about is to not have like strict food rules, because we know that if you restrict especially again for certain patient pop, oh, sorry, populations. I always go to patient populations. Always <laughs> about medicine things. Um, you know, first of all, can be really hard on you mentally, but often also backfires. And that was my biggest thing when this first started getting on my radar, which shout out to my friend, Danielle, she sent me this podcast about, um, the person who wrote intuitive eating. And ever since then, I've been on like a two plus year journey of just diving down. I've actually started becoming like a certified intuitive eating, um, counselor or whatever. And just, it's just so, so, so valuable y'all. And it's just, you have to unlearn so much. And just to kind of give a personal story, the reason I think this really got on my radar was again, like starting junior year of high school, I started getting to plant-based diet and all the health component and all this other stuff. And, uh, you were ahead of the curve, I feel like. Oh, yeah, of high school. yeah, yeah. So I've been in the game for a while, but then I think a lot of it was really in college when I okay. found myself consistently binge eating. And I was so confused. Mm. And there was this level of shame. I was like, wait a second. If I know all this information, if I know how healthy this all is, like, what am I doing? And that's when it really hit me. I remember one time I was away and very stressed. And I literally ate until I was completely sick. And I was like, oh, there's a huge mental component to this whole nutrition thing that I don't think people ever talk about. Again, I think about all the voices who have taught me all these things and never once did someone. And again, it's all about creating space. In my mind, it's just creating space because yeah, sure. Maybe not everyone's going to be like that. But honestly, I think majority of people have some level of disordered eating because diet culture is so prevalent in our society. It's what we grow up with, right? And so there's so much unlearning that has to happen. And I still have unlearning that still has to happen. It's a long process, you know? Um, I was just talking to my therapist about this. (laughs) But but yeah, so for me, anti-diet means, honestly, a lot of it is really just moving the shift away from talking about weight. Um, right. because it's overemphasized, you know, we use it as this marker for health completely inaccurately. There are so many unhealthy ways to lose weight. And when you focus on weight loss, in my mind, moving away from weight is how you become like a holistic, you know, how you approach health holistically, because your yes. desire to lose weight is going to change. But if you can be in tune with what you need, like mentally and physically and listen to your body in a response to that, like that's something that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. But like, if yep. you base things off weight, again, you can lose weight unhealthily. You know, you might have a desire to 
lose weight in the summer, but then not in the winter. And then you're fluctuating all this other stuff. But if you can get really to the core of what your personal health goals are, you know, that is what's going to help you move, um, you know, long-term into a life and like health that is right for you. And weight is just not going to be a marker of it, especially when, again, it's going to fluctuate age, hormone, all this other stuff on top of the fact that most of us, you know, especially women, but also of those of all genders, um, have some kind of history of, you know, a negative body perception. Right. And again, this stuff goes deep. You know, Mm -hmm. I happen to be in the, um, an eating disorders unit now in psych and it has just been heartbreaking. I won't get too into it, you know, no, nothing too triggering, but it's just as a, as someone who's come very far, it's heartbreaking to see these kids for the record, like as young as 11, um, you know, a lot of it, not all of it is, you know, diet cultural. It's very, you know, brain chemistry and whatnot, but right. still hearing some of the things they'll say and just hearing how it's just echoed in like the diet culture society um, has just been heartbreaking and really eye-opening. I'm very grateful for the opportunity because I feel like seeing the absolute end of the spectrum, because these are people who are hospitalized, right. um, I think allows right. me to kind of, you know, talk about and approach the middle of the spectrum so much better. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at terraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon-neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10, or check out the link in the show notes. I just want to pause and just be like, can we take a moment to say holy fucking shit that (laughs) 11-year-olds are dealing with disordered eating and you know what I mean? Like, I just think of like 11, like the innocence you're supposed to still have. It takes so much away from your life. And that was this podcast, which I need, I think I want, I won't say it was like five minutes happier or something like that, but um, Hmm. Evelyn... Triboli. Maybe I can give it to you and you can write it down some. Yeah, we can put it but, in the show um, notes. But one of the things that really um, you know, strike me from this conversation was talking about the concept of adding up 
how many like minutes and hours and days we like obsess about like what we look like or getting ready for this swimsuit or eating this or that. And you think back and like, can you imagine being like 80 and looking back and be like, wow, I'm so glad I spent all that valuable time in my youth obsessing over you know these societal standards and money too of course of course money capitalism right yes everyone benefits from insecurities right sorry everyone being companies um and so yeah so if you really think about how much time is spent like it's so freeing like again the journey is very long for me recently the last few months I've kind of realized how far I've come and mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that is not something that takes away from mine. You know, I can give that to my friends, my loved ones, my business, my cats, you know, um, I so much that. time and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there are so many things we start to evaluate with this idea of holistic living in terms of time and like where we're putting mm-hmm. our energy and our exactly. time. I remember meeting a, a reading a stat uh, a couple of weeks ago about how much time we spend just moving stuff around and like managing our stuff, like all of like the physical things we own, like cleaning it or being like, okay, time to go through the junk drawer and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to spend this much part of my life just like touching all this stuff I don't need. You know? interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it that way, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think once you start thinking of living holistically, whatever that means for people, you really do start to kind of look at like, where is my time going Mm -hmm. even? Like, why don't I have any time? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think, and I think that's so beautiful and it's, you know, it's very individualized. And to me, anti-diet just goes right into that because so much, so much time obsessing and then really looking back, like what really is that goal, you know? Um, And again, my biggest thing is just for me, anti-diet is really separating, you know, weight from health. That's a huge component and like not recommending things for weight loss or just really Mm. restriction in general. Cause again, to me, one of the big, most glaring kind of ironies of digging more into um this kind of area was just the fact that you know the more like like the best predictor of weight gain is dieting right it's like not only does it you know mess with your mind and typically impact people negatively but oftentimes and when I say often I mean like over 90% of the time it doesn't work so like talk about the most ultimate lose lose but then that's how companies win win right because you know when things don't work and you can have people keep paying for it you have like the perfect business plan right um so yeah oh, it makes me so like mad and then it just yeah. makes me really sad too like yeah. really just really sad but hopeful because there are people like you <laughs> going into this field Um, I interviewed someone who was previously a surgeon and Mm -hmm. he was like so frustrated with the lack of nutrition and, you know, he's also like a generation or two above us. So I think there's like, there's just a different, he came up at a different time through Mm -hmm. med school and everything else. Um, and he started a vegan restaurant in Minneapolis Minnesota, or St. Paul. Um, because he was just like, I, I am done with this healthcare field and I just got to do something <laughs> that, like makes me feel like Amen. I can make a difference, right? And yeah. like, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this right no, now. No, but... no, It's okay. I think I've been, I went through like a year of thinking I was going to leave medicine, honestly. And so I think I've, I got that out of my system. Um, also I definitely will need to, you know, after this, give a name cause my, my family's in Minnesota and my dad's actually, it's been so cute. He watched, um, what the hell? What was that? I think it was what the hell. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and then he literally called me and he was like, why didn't you tell me about this earlier? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dad, sometimes you have to come to things on your own. Like, I don't want to force you to do anything, but he's been eating like so much more vegan and he'll like go to restaurants in again, the St. Paul, Minneapolis area, and, like send me photos. It's the most precious thing ever. Um, and so, yeah, so I definitely get the name of that, but no, it's, First of all, I will say, I don't think nutrition has changed too much. I was just talking yeah. to some pre-meds about this and uh, it's, it's very pathetic. Um, the only reason I've gone anything through this is like, you know, I've actively participated in culinary medicine at my school. Um, I've just like reached out for information. Um, but now like I kind of like hinted that I'm kind of at the point where there is a lot of information. How do we make it applicable? And so that's right. kind of where uh, most of my focus has been. So if someone comes to me looking for like a meal plan for like, you know, becoming uh, like weightlifting or stuff like that, like I'm not the person for you. And that's why I just feel so drawn to, again, the more educational, the more public health side. Yeah. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, majority of people aren't eating fruit every day. And like, you know, and so for me as like someone who wants to serve others um, and not necessarily like, you know for myself or to like make a profit is that I just feel like the education, just finding ways to make healthy living just more realistic is like a big goal of mine personally. Yeah. And I've, I've started working. I have called it, named it, whatever, because it felt most aligned as a conscious living coach because I am, I want to either help people if they need help transitioning to more plant-based to live more sustainably. Like if your goal is to be healthier, to help the world be healthier. Like mm -hmm. I want to help because it's so overwhelming. And Absolutely. like when I started that process, I was so obsessed with being perfect at it and doing mm -hmm. everything overnight that I just stressed myself right the hell out. Yep. And I want to help others like make those decisions so they don't reach that and like they yeah. stick in it. Um, I love that educational piece too, because education is power. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. And at the end of the day, I feel like my, one of my biggest conclusions has been you need personalized help. Like people yeah, are so yeah. individual. And that's another thing too, is that I feel like so many, so much information about nutrition is just given as this blank statement, like just yeah. at least just create the space for it. Just create the idea that maybe this could be a little different, but I think it sells better. It's easier to talk about if you don't go into the nuance of it, but I don't know. I'm not here for the easy work personally, but I, I understand where people are coming from because it's going to be a lot more straightforward, but I think it's really beautiful. You're doing that. I'm still kind of figuring out what things look like. I think for me going through residency, um, again, the preventive medicine is so aligned with what I'm passionate about, especially because a lot of times, because it's still a little like newer, um, you really get to choose what you want to do. And I'm yeah. you know, really excited to be able to just focus my energy and what is interesting to me, but I move forward and I think about how I want to help people. If it is kind of looking more in like a, you know, wellness coaching situation, because I just feel like I've been able to get so much insight and, uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to like work with or deal with like pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. but we shall see that's luckily I'm at the point where I'm like, that's at least three years away. So I can cross that bridge right. later, but no, there's right. a while that I thought about, um, and I have honestly <laughs> exclusive. No, I haven't really talked too much about <laughs> my page on this, but I mean, for basically a year, I thought about like leaving medicine and becoming a dietitian just because I disliked healthcare so much. But I think I realized again, to 
get the, the goal to reach the goals that I wanted to, I realized, okay, I can do that still in this medical path. And I'm right. just so, so, so grateful that, you know, something like preventive medicine has gone on my radar. Cause I think it will, you know, align with, um, you know, what I want to do and just keep me sane while I do it. Yes. Like, that was kind of yes. the biggest thing, like starting in the hospital shifts this past year, um, because medical school, you start more like the classroom and then go to the shifts. Like okay. it messed me up so much more than I thought it just, it was just so overwhelming. I mean, you work wild hours and you're expected to study and I'm constantly faced with so much in healthcare that I don't like on top of, you know, providers who are either like apathetic about lifestyle or even just like mental health. And like, I just feel like it just wore me down. And so I'm just so glad that, you know, I'm in psych now. I love it. I family medicine, I enjoyed a lot too. And so at least I'm ending with ones that kind of like rejuvenate. Yeah. 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 But I'm excited to just, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. I'm really, really hyped about. I'm also so excited to like, keep following along with your journey. <laughs> and I think we're going to have to do a part two someday because yes. <laughs> I got a request. I've gotten a couple of requests to talk to someone, interview someone about intuitive eating. And I haven't <gasps> found someone that I like totally loved the messaging yet, but I already know that I would be down. <laughs> so we'll have to follow up and do that someday. That's um, great. Yes. I would love to. But in terms of the stress and being in the mm-hmm. field and everything you've mm-hmm. just talked about, I'm curious, like, how this has felt for you. So you're a woman of color who identifies as queer and who practices a vegan lifestyle, right? Like, these are these yeah. are all things you're public about, right? Yes, like, absolutely. They're all things absolutely. you share. So that's a lot of intersecting identities that in our current mm-hmm. society, unfortunately, could cause some problems. Yeah. And I'm curious, like what your experience has been going through this, like as the person you are. Absolutely. And so I think to me and specifically medicine, a lot of it has come up in the form of imposter syndrome and microaggressions. And I think those go hand in hand. Um, we actually did some um, learning about microaggressions and how they're actually much more impactful than the more overt, you know, remarks, which makes yes. sense. Cause the thing is about microaggressions is that they get in your head and they make you question yourself. And so while everyone has imposter syndrome, like if you are just objectively in a group that has been like historically, you know, not been prioritized, overlooked, discriminated against in your own field, like that imposter syndrome is just going to hit different. And so for me also having social anxiety, um, you know, I was just have been so in my head and again, and you know, when you're in medicine, you're also like, part of it is that you're literally being evaluated constantly. Like you're part of your grade is based on someone watching you. And so when you have someone watching you, even a drop of anxiety and this, I was just going to say, I'm like sweating (laughs) as you're talking about this situation. Okay. It's one of those things people don't talk about, but it's like, so for, I feel like for social anxiety, the way I calm myself down, it's like, Oh, no one cares. Blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, Oh wait, no, they all care. They're all like the point of them being here is to fucking care. Watch me. And so it's like, I feel like even when it would calm me down, literally can't calm me down. And so it's really taken, especially going from COVID and not being around anyone for like a full year to just being thrown in the deep end and just nonstop. It has taken such a toll on me. I mean, I've come very, very far. Shout out to my therapist and psychiatrist. Like we love therapy wow, on this podcast. We really do. And, um, but no, it's, it's hard because you never know, like, was I bad at that? 
you know, was yeah. that microaggression? Is it because of my imposter syndrome? Like I'm more anxious and it really is my fault. Um, it's it's another layer of questioning yourself all the time. Exactly. And I think where I have found the most peace and satisfaction with it is knowing that I'm able to like serve patients better because of it. You know, there's been so many instances, wow. especially in family medicine where, you know, especially being queer, except, you know, you kind of can tell sometimes when the homies are also queer. And there's been times where, you know, a doctor would make an assumption and I had not had, a, you know, I was there to correct it. It was so awkward. There was this, you know, female identifying patient and the doctor was like, oh, like, are you having sex? Like, yeah. Like, oh, are you using condoms? No. Like, oh, blah, blah. And then she was like, so how are you like avoiding getting pregnant? And I was like, no, (laughs) I was like, even just saying that it's just assuming that they can't be queer. And so I would, I went back in later. I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Did you really? Uh, I did. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like I would. um, And again, like just already feeling out of place. It's like little, and again, little things like that as a patient too, are also going to add up when yes. like on a regular level, most of us don't feel heard or like that comfortable in medical settings. You yes. Know? Yes. Um, and so, or even just recently I had a patient who, uh, I'm actually biracial and, mm-hmm. um, and which doesn't usually come up a lot. Like I know I'm very, uh, like full black presenting and stuff like right. that. Right. Um, but a part of her stress was this biracial identity of not being able to connect. And so hoping I could connect with her on that and then actually connecting her on that was, this happened literally last week. I was one of the most like satisfying like days during medical school of my life. And just knowing that I would be able to connect with her on a level that, you know, very few would. And so it's not easy and that's not the magic solution, but I try to utilize that to bring myself some peace. Cause at the end of the day, like representation, you know, especially in a field where people are so vulnerable and so personal and all these things impact your healthcare, you know, it's so important and just really finding the value in that, um, helps, but it has not been easy and it doesn't make all the other things, you know, not there, but yeah, it's been, it's been a journey and I'm just excited to, you know, just keep moving more and more into a niche that more aligns with what I'm interested in. Um, cause I'll just know I'll be in a better headspace then. I think it just shows that this is like, at least talking to you and in seeing how you talk about things over, you know, the, the years, it feels so funny and social media is so weird <laughs> to be like, I've seen you for years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that just for me, I'm like, oh, she's exactly where she needs to be. Like, mm-hmm. this is the field that you should be in because you had this validating experience because you were able to help someone that you knew had similar identities to you mm-hmm. and you know that experience. And like that right there is like, it's like making me emotional. Like <laughs> that right there is like, so that's the game changing that needs to happen in the field. And the fact yeah. that you are putting a, like your, I'm sure at times your stress, your mental health, your physical health, your all of it. all of it all the time on the line to like do that goal. Like one of the things when I'm working with people, one of the like pillars I work on is like, what's your why? Mm -hmm. Like, why do you want to make change? Why do you want to go vegan? Or why do you want to be more sustainable? Because it's easy to be like, just cause I know I should, but when you're down and out, when you're struggling to meet your goal, just cause I should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just cause I should doesn't cut it. 
Exactly. And I feel no, like you are mm-hmm. so connected to that. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Though no, that means a lot. And for a while, I mean, for the sheer fact of the underprioritization of the wellness of healthcare mm-hmm. workers, I really felt like this wasn't for me. But I'm just glad that you know I'm on the right track now. I'm finding support already in you know the yeah. field of preventive medicine, and I'm just. I'm just excited, which I had not been excited for a very long time. And so I'm just so grateful. I'm in that place, like just a game changer, even right. Like kind of a tangent, but before my therapy sessions, you, Mm -hmm. at least my, like you fill out kind of like some like mental health sheet and there's, um, Mm -hmm. and there's one question that says like, I view myself like as worthy as others. And like for a while, like it didn't even feel like I would, I'm like, wow. I'm like, how could I ever put that? I'm like, I like, it wasn't even, it didn't even seem possible for me to put that down. And now I do it without question. And each time it's just like, you know, life-changing to me how far I've come. And I just, you know, I want to get other people feeling that way. I love psych. I feel like, um, I don't want to brag, but I, today I basically bragged, bragged, (laughs) I basically begged. So you need to get feedback when you're in medicine a lot. It's like part of it. I basically begged my head doctor for constructive feedback and she had only positive things to say and it made me so happy because I I felt like I had a knack for this I love talking to people I love listening I love exploring and getting a professional like validate that was such an amazing feeling and I can't wait to like bring that into whatever practice I do because again it's like first of all if you don't have motivation to live you're not gonna make lifestyle changes right and it's like again getting to that why to me that's a huge part of, you know, psych too, is understanding those motivations. Um, And again, I feel like that honestly touches back to the whole weight thing, because when I ask, I remember sometimes I'll ask people like, why do you want to lose weight? They're like, like, again, they still can't really answer that because we just have ways synonymous with healthy, but it's like to have energy to like have, you know, all this other stuff, but then let's focus on that because weight is not a behavior. Right. Um, So anyway, I felt like that was wrong. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Weight is not a behavior. Ah, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. And there's different types of weights. There's different reasons to gain weight, but if you're going to sit and harp, and that's why, again, taking away the focus from that, because you can lose weight in unhealthy ways. Like I can't emphasize that enough, you know, like literally we had a patient come in and, you know, they basically lost an absurd amount of weight in a short period of time. Um, and that's basically what brought them in. Not even because they technically had like an eating disorder, um, and so it's one of those things, if the way I see it, if someone in a smaller body was doing it and it would be concerning, then we shouldn't be promoting it to someone in a bigger body because th- I've been holding on to that a lot. Cause it's like wow. at the end of the day to keep up with anything, you have to sustain it. So you have to keep sustaining it. And we know from those, like from the biggest loser, you know, a lot of them have to stay in like 500 calorie diets a day. Cause that's the only way to keep up. And that's why I'm so focused on sustainability when it comes to lifestyle changes, because yes. if not, like it's going to be stressful. You're going to obsess over it. You're going to restrict, you're going to bounce back. And so moving forward with what, you know, how can that be incorporated in your life long-term? Um, yeah, that's just that. And personalization are just two of like the biggest things I try and focus on when I work with people. And I think that given the, I know social media is, is a different thing than being a doctor. Uh, <laughs> but I think that even the way you discuss things, that, you know, can feel be, feel like big topics, like on your page or in a video or whether you're talking about food scarcity or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you make it so it is 
digestible, I guess pun intended, um, <laughs> but like in a way that not, not watering it down. I don't mean mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. we should necessarily make things easy for people yeah. to like get, like you have to know sometimes the reality of the shit storm no. that's happening, but mm-hmm. like you make it in a way that I'm like, yeah, I want to learn about this and listen. So I can only imagine that that's going to translate to you working with patients if yeah. that's the vibe you can set on a social <laughs> media page. No, that means a lot to me because it's something I really, really focus on. And, you know, they always talk about in medicine is that you learn all this medical jargon just to be, and then just to have it translated to your patient. And I feel like one of the many benefits of social media is that I feel like I've been able to practice that. Like anytime I create content, I think like no matter if someone's in the healthcare field, in the nutrition field, like I want them to understand this. I want this to make sense to them. And I think that that having that mindset, and I think also, you know, being a first gen college student, like not really coming from that, I think, you know, it already comes naturally. And then having social media just continues to encourage me to think about that. Cause at the end of the day, like my goal is always to like reach the most amount of people possible. And I don't want someone's background to hinder them from valuable information, right? Like there's some really good information out there. Like there's some doctors who post the most valuable things about research papers and all this other stuff. I'm like, this is so great. So many people would never understand what this is talking about. And I get it. It's hard, you know, especially when people are experts in the field, they typically don't have time. And that's why I feel so, so insanely blessed for being able to work in social media, because I feel like you know, especially having that be part of my business that allows me so much time to like break things down. There's so many people out there with so much valuable information, but they don't have the time or like the skill set to yeah. articulate that to the general population. And that's what I feel a big goal of mine is and something I'm very drawn to. And I also like that you do that in a way that like is is talking about the things that are relevant doesn't seem like the right word, but like like almost like taboo or buzzwords or whatever in this mm-hmm. kind of like space of health and wellness. Like I saw, uh, I love some of your posts about like the bullshit that is like the keto diet mm-hmm. and some of the, and like things like that. So it's like, I love that you're taking the knowledge you have and this mm-hmm. platform that you have, and you're not afraid to be like, let's talk about this like bazillion dollar diet yeah. idea. Yeah. And let's talk about some issues with it. Yeah. And just get ready. Get ready to when I actually have time to put into this stuff. Because right now I feel like... She's like, get like, ready, y'all. This, this is nothing. Get ready. I feel like I have so many ideas. And I really have to find peace with the fact that I just don't have the capacity, don't have the time. Even right now, I have a really... Another big test coming up. that will basically oh, take God. like a month off for. It's never ending. What, let me tell Once this is done, though... I won't have a test for like a year. And I get so emotional thinking about that. Cause we have tests like every four to six weeks. Absolutely not. And Absolutely I, not. I'm, I'm so over it. I'm like, it. I'm not I'm too out. old to be taking tests on a regular <laughs> basis. I'm so tired of tests. And so that's what I mean. Like there's so much great things on horizon. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to just have more time to really devote. And again, I see my social media being a part of my career and I'm just ready mm-hmm. to be able to devote that time to just make, more stuff, more accessible, you know, hopefully get on YouTube. And I'm just, I'm just excited because I like it. I feel like I'm good. At it, and I feel like it really is that resources are so valuable. And so I'm kind of like, you know, luckily actually later on in the year, once um, residency applications are in, mm-hmm. that's when things really start getting light. And so um, I'm really hyped to really just be able to put more into it because I just love what I do, you know? Yeah, well, you're good at it. So I'm excited to see what happens (laughs) next as well. Is there anything that you want to share or that you are like, I didn't get space to share this with the audience? 
Yeah, no, I think we covered a lot of stuff. I like how it was very just organic. We just kind of went <laughs> with it. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of like we talked about, if you can get excited and open to hear different perspectives on things, I think not only is that just a great quality as a human, but that's going to expand. You never know what's going to even work for you. Like space you didn't even know you needed because all you've yeah. heard is, you know, one certain perspective. Again, I feel like that happened with me. Um, a lot of the anti-diet stuff, like I needed it, but was not getting it. And when I finally did, it's just life-changing and you never know what's going to be, but it also allows you to be more compassionate. And like, if there's anything we need in the world right now is to be more compassionate. Um, you know, sometimes it seems like we are speaking different truth? languages and the best way to even remotely try to close this gap is just to to see people as people and hear their stories. Um, you know, you don't have to justify or agree with things to like create space for them. And I think you're just, you end up being a better person for it. Um, but yeah, follow me at Beats by Brooke. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, is that why, uh, is that where people can get a hold of you? Beats by Brooke, best way? Yes. Beats by okay. Brooke, Instagram. I'm most active there. It's one of those things where like, I want to get on other sites and just don't have the capacity for, but hopefully, like I said, if you can just hold out until like, October, <laughs> I should have so much time then, um, October, 2022, whenever you listen to this. Um, but yeah, I love to connect there as much as I can. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. Chat soon.